Mindfulness Mode 348. The body can burn fat for energy. The cancer cells can't use fat for energy. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness right here on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Lankford. Great to have you with us today, everybody. Wonderful to have you here. Don't forget to subscribe to Mindfulness Mode on whatever app you listen, whether it's on an Apple device or maybe Spotify. We're on so many different apps. Well, by the way, I've recently recorded a new free meditation to help you get more focused. It's just for you, Mindful Tribe. With more focus, you know, you can get more of the things done in life that truly matter to you. On the meditation, I talk about waves and how the waves can bring you calm and become more relaxed, peaceful, and content to calm your mind and relax your body. Just go to mindfulnessmode.com forward slash waves of content. Last time I talked with the inventor of the Muse headband, and what a fascinating guy. If you don't know what the Muse headband is, it's a meditation tool you can use to get immediate feedback from your brain while meditating. You can check out Chris on episode 347, mindfulnessmode.com slash 347. Today... I'm with Elizabeth Meisner of the BNI organization. She talks about how healing begins in the kitchen. You can find her at MeisnerPlan.com. That's M-I-S-N-E-R, MeisnerPlan.com, where she talks about healing. I think you'll enjoy this episode. I know I loved talking with, with Elizabeth Meisner. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I have Elizabeth Meisner here today. Hey, Elizabeth, are you in mindfulness mode? Hey, absolutely. I try to stay there. That's great. It's wonderful to have you with us today. And I'm just going to share a little bit about you with Mindful Tribe. Elizabeth Meisner is a natural health practitioner and meditation leader. She teaches at the Lake Austin Spa Resort in Austin, Texas, as well as at various retreats and conferences around the world. Her latest book, is uh, called Healing Begins in the Kitchen. It tells the story of how her husband, BNI founder Dr. Ivan Meisner, healed prostate cancer using diet, nutrition, and lifestyle changes. I can't wait to talk about all of this. Not long after his recovery, Elizabeth was also diagnosed with cancer, and she applied everything she had learned with her husband and more to bring yourself back to health with no surgery and no radiation. Beth's focus on the body-mind is helping many others to heal quickly and naturally from a variety of conditions. So, Elizabeth, this is a fantastic story. I mean, I hardly know where to, where to ask to get started, but I do want to ask you this to get started. What does mindfulness mean to you? Uh, I've been thinking about that question because I knew it was coming and I've come up with an answer for me. So for me, mindfulness means being in the experience I am having at the moment I'm having the experience, really being aware of what I'm doing, what's happening around me, what I'm actually looking at and seeing 
um, that's mindfulness. You, you know, I think about being absent minded and walking around the house with the keys and setting them down somewhere because I'm not being mindful. I'm not actually having the experience that I'm in when I'm having it. My mind is somewhere else and my, my awareness is just gone. Later you go back and where did those keys go? Because I, you're not present to the experience at the moment you're having it. Right. Well, I want to skip right into what happened with your husband and how you were able to heal him with his prostate cancer. Where did you start? How did you feel when this diagnosis came, Elizabeth? So we were so confident that it wasn't cancer that I didn't even go with him when the doctor told him the results of the biopsy. And he called me. I was at my health clinic that I... um, went to as a patient at the time when he called and I went straight into the head doctor of the clinic in California and I was just holding my breath when Ivan had called and said "Um, it's not good it is cancer and I was just like I just inhaled and just kind of held my breath and then I went in to talk with Dr. Kellis and I'm like it's cancer because he knew Ivan was going and he said Beth we've got this there are things we can do that will help him with healing. We've had other patients that we worked with and rebooted their immune systems and their prostate cancer has completely disappeared. We've got this. And that's when I exhaled. Mm-hmm. And I didn't ever doubt from that moment forward that this was possible, that he could heal without doing chemotherapy, without having a surgery or without doing any uh, radiation or any kind of radioactive cancer causing, you know, those treatments are uh-huh. all carcinogenic, yes. including surgery. And so fortunately, he applied himself 110% and within nine months had no more cancer in the prostate gland. Incredible. So were, what were some of the first things you did? So for him, he really needed to change his diet. Uh-huh. He was eating in a way that was really creating challenges for his own health, for his immune system for his liver, your liver is kind of the key to what's happening in your immune system. And when you have developed cancer, your immune system is basically asleep because it's allowing this tumor to get bigger and bigger and allow those cells to come to a point where they're not even visible to the immune system anymore. The immune system is kind of blind to them. And then he needed to address lifestyle. So we, he basically was the captain of his ship Dr. Kellis and I put together, you know, good, better, best. Here are the things you can do to be on the good track. Here's a better track and here's the best track. And then Ivan picked from the different categories and came up with the Meisner plan, which was his plan. This was what he did. And we wrote a book about it, which is Healing Begins in the Kitchen. So the lifestyle was the second most important part. My husband was working and burning the candle at both ends traveling he was gone on the road traveling and of course when you travel you're not eating healthy food you're not sleeping well he had a million thoughts going through his mind at one time he started meditating he started breathing just sitting down and breathing what a boost to your immune system that is yes he started working on watching inspirational television and not watching shows that were very stressful to the body. A show like Criminal Minds, you know, I, I never was able to watch it, but he was able to sit and watch a show like that with very grotesque and gruesome topics, you know, and themes. 
he just turned that off. He stopped watching those kinds of things, making sure that what he was putting into his mind was going to build him up. He started doing visualizations. Mm -hmm. It was funny. I came into his office one day and I said, what is that taped on the edge of your computer? And he had a white square of paper with this thing that looked like an octopus. And he said, that's my dendritic cell. And I'm visualizing my dendritic cells all over my body. And I just, it was so cute. <laughs> but he did a lot of visualizations as well to boost his immune function and to help his body heal. Wow, incredible. And so I know that water is one of the things you talk about in the Meisner plan. Let's talk about water. Yes, my dear husband, <laughs> I and several friends would be on him and say, honey, you have to drink water because he doesn't like water at that. Oh. He did not like to drink water. And he would say, babe, can I say a brand name on your show? The most yes, popular absolutely. diet soda, he, he says, Diet Coke is 97% water. And I'm like, oh, it's just the other 3%. <laughs> he, he would not drink water prior to this. So when he realized what it is that water does in the body, helping the lymph system to flow, and the lymph system is how the immune cells get around the body, he knew he needed to start drinking 100 he drank 100 ounces of water a day. He weighed over 200 pounds when he first started. And the rule of thumb is to drink half of your body weight in ounces of pure water. His doctor recommended that he drink mineral water, which is alkaline in nature naturally by the mineral content of the water. And the doctor told him, do not ever drink water out of plastic bottles because okay. of the chemicals from the plastic that leach into the water. And it doesn't matter if it's BPA-free. Because there are other bisphenol, there's BPS that they can use and say, oh, this is BPA-free. Well, the bisphenol S is still going to cause endocrine disruption in the body anyway. So you really want to get away from drinking water in plastic, which he has made a wholehearted commitment to. Only recently, we saw an article in USA Today that was reporting on a research study that was done, I believe, in the UK, and they tested all of the major brands of water that's bottled in plastic and every single one had plastic particulates not only the bpa or the bps but plastic particulates some of them as big as a hair in the water and so he really doubled down after hearing that study he will not drink water if it's plastic bottled water Okay, well, that's interesting. So he started drinking water. And then what about sugar? What about processed sugars in your diet? He eliminated that immediately. Um, Dr. Kellis actually brought us to his home, his private residence on a Sunday. Ivan was diagnosed on a Friday. Um, and he explained to Ivan, cancer cells prefer sugar for energy. And so one of the ways to weaken a cancer cell is to don't give it any sugar. Now that includes fructose because your body converts fructose to glucose and that's the fruit sugar. So we really, for a time, he eliminated all fruits. He had lemon, but other than that, he had no, including tomatoes, which is a fruit. Yes. He eliminated fruit for about a month. Okay. And um, he went into the stage of ketosis. Yes. Which the body into the fat burning mode um the body can burn fat for energy the cancer cells can't use fat for energy 
They use glucose and they use glutamine. And glutamine is found in your red meats, your, your beef, your lamb, your pork, those kinds of meats. And there's glutamine even in chicken and turkey. So we went really light on those meats. Um, those are the two sources of energy that cancer cells prefer. They prefer those. So I'll tell you what, it's been how many years now? Six years since Ivan was diagnosed. He still won't eat anything with processed sugar. If he eats it and it had processed sugar in it, it was because he didn't know it had processed sugar in it. He will not eat processed sugar. I'm not quite that um, fastidious because I realize that that sugar is sugar and it's going to come yeah. in and, and the, the orange I eat, you know, or the dark chocolate. So I'm going to eat the dark chocolate right. too. So he, he must have gone through a period of withdrawal when he first started and made the, all these changes. I think he was in such shell shock. And frankly, he started feeling so much better from day one that I don't, I didn't notice that he went into any withdrawal feelings. Um, it would be hard to know mm -hmm. from where I sat. I'd have to ask him about that. It's not something right. he ever really shared with me. I think the hardest thing for him, to be honest, Bruce, was drinking that much water. Right. Because, you know, it takes a while for your kidneys to adjust and not just simply release that water when you drink it because you get it to a point where you can be so dehydrated that your body will you'll be getting the water in but it's going out almost as fast as you're you're having it go in until the sponge kind of soaks up that water and then right you can hold the water a little better in your tissue. right well i know one of the chapters in your book elizabeth is called nuts about nuts so let's talk about nuts yeah, we, we had to learn a lot, and learning about nuts was one of the things that uh, opened my eyes. I didn't realize the way to eat nuts. I mean, there is a way to eat nuts that makes them really healthy for us, and if you don't eat them in this particular way, nuts can actually uh, work against you. They can actually rob nutrients from your digestive tract because they contain anti-nutrients and binders. So a nut, if you think about it, has a singular purpose. It is exists to germinate and create another plant from that particular species of plant. Mm -hmm. And so it has these anti-nutrients that keep it from being digested when it's eaten by an animal. Because the goal of the nut is to get as far away from the mother plant as it can so a new, a new plant can grow up and it can spread and reproduce. That's one of nature's impulses. And so when the animals eat the nuts, the nuts pretty much go through them undigested. And then there'll be a piece of the nut that will get excreted and the germination process can happen and the new plant can grow. So the way to kind of, we'll use the word, do that little hack on the nut is to germinate it before you eat it. When you germinate the nut and then eat it, all those anti-nutrients are kind of offline and you now are able to have access to the nutrients that are in the nut, which are very healthy for us. And there aren't any of the binding nutrients that are going to pull minerals out of your own digestive system. So it's really simple to germinate. By germinating them, I don't mean the shoot has to come up. You're not really sprouting it. You're just activating the enzymatic process within the nut before you eat it. So we soak the nut. We'll soak. I'll soak a whole batch of almonds. I usually soak almonds for at least 24 hours, sometimes longer. And I soak them in warm water with some salt and then pour that water off every four or five hours and put in fresh warm water, a little bit more Himalayan salt. And then when that's done, 
drain them off, rinse them really good, lay them out on a pie, a cookie pan. I use, I use a clay because I don't want to be cooking on non-stick Teflon pans or even metal pans. I use a, a stone or a clay fired uh, cookie pan and then dry them out, lay them out, let them dry, put them in the oven on really, really low, really low, like 130 degrees or 140 degrees and let them dehydrate until they are crispy and crunchy. And you have never tasted a nut that tastes better than a dehydrated sprouted nut. Walnuts, almonds, you don't really need to soak cashews because they've already been soaked in order to get the, the hull off of them. So there's no need to soak them. They're already germinated when they're um, harvested. Uh, macadamia nuts, you know, they're just Brazil nuts. Oh, they taste so good when they're germinated and then mm. dehydrated this way. And are, are there some nuts that we should avoid? You know, when you're dealing with cancer, you want to really be light on your omega-6 fats. And okay. so you're, you typically are getting a lot of omega-6 fats in your diet already. And so during the immediate healing phase, we really did, we eliminated... Uh, cashews because they're very high in omega-6s we completely eliminated peanuts we don't eat peanuts at all anymore um very rarely i'll have just a little taste of peanuts but ivan he, he's so he's so committed he will not eat a peanut and the reason for this is simple peanuts have a lot of mold in the shells. The shells, when they're removed, are. I used to live in uh, southern Tennessee, and I would see the peanuts coming in the shells. They're black on the inside. That's oh. a very toxic mold. And so imagine, if you will, you're in a processing plant that's shelling peanuts and making peanut butter. They're not pulling out the peanuts that are completely moldy. This is why peanuts can kill some kids, because they're highly allergic to that mold. And oh. so when your system is compromised and your immune system's not functioning at 100%, you don't want to eat a food that's going to introduce a strain of mold. It's aspergillus is what it's called. And you do not want that in your body. So we eliminated peanuts and we, we have kept them off the list. Well, we talked a little bit about meat, but we haven't talked about dairy. So let's talk about dairy. <laughs> I've learned so much about dairy. I, I really resisted giving up dairy. I was raised on raw cow's milk. My mm -hmm. grandfather was a dairy farmer. My mom had a cow when I was a little girl growing up in Florida and we drank raw cow's milk. She did have goats as well. We did drink goat milk too, but I, I loved dairy. I loved cheese. I liked cottage cheese. We don't eat it. We don't eat it anymore. And there's a very simple reason. Once I understood the reason, I was able to give it up. Now, here's the reason. Milk is full naturally of growth hormones for a cow. Milk from a cow is baby cow growth fluid. That's really what it is. We as humans do not need those growth hormones, never mind how many growth hormones are pumped into the dairy cows that are being farmed and you know this this whole industry of getting so much milk out of a cow cows were never meant to give that number of gallons of milk that they're giving now 
and they're usually filled full of antibiotics, which pass into the milk, and then we're drinking that as well. And so even if it's raw milk, I mean, I tried to hold on to raw milk and raw milk cheese. It's just the wrong hormone profile for us. We do use goat's milk. I have a dairy near me here in Austin that I can go and get raw goat's milk. It tastes so good. There's no gamey flavor to it at all. It goes, it goes good in my, uh, my Earl Grey tea or whatever mm -hmm. else I want to make a shake with it or whatever. And we do eat uh, cheese from goats and from sheep. Hard cheeses. We try to find cheese that's uh, organically grown from animals that are fed organically. And we also never, ever eat cheese that has a, 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 a mold inhibitor. Mold inhibitor inhibits the mold growth in the cheese, which is good. You know, you don't want to be eating mold in your cheese. However, it inhibits the mold growth by shutting down the cell's ability to absorb oxygen. Oh. And you need your cells to absorb oxygen. So if you eat a food that has that mold inhibitor in it, it will have an impact on your own cells. And so you want to try to find goat cheeses that don't have any mold inhibitor. They usually will say on it mold inhibitor or it'll say um, natamycin or something like that. And you just want to avoid the cheeses with those. Uh, I see. I see. So what did he eat? We've talked a lot about the things he didn't eat. <laughs> yeah. And he'll be the first one to tell you he was never hungry. We did a, immediately, we did an eight day detox, which is a cleanse. And he was eating very strategically to eat lots of vegetables that will induce a cleansing response in the body. He never felt hungry. We eat almost every leafy green vegetable known to man and God. We eat a lot of onions, all of these onions, garlics, leeks, those types of foods have an acid in them that helps inhibit cancer cell proliferation. So we were really eating those. We ate the cruciferous vegetables. You've probably heard that cruciferous vegetables are very good for people who are healing with cancer. It contains a chemical that actually inhibits the proliferation of the cancer cells. Ginger, also dry ground ginger has been tested and you can go to NIH.com and find a lot of these different tests and research studies that I'm going to be referring to. They tested dry ground ginger and found it to be 10,000 times more powerful than chemotherapy on cancer cells. So how much ginger should you consume? Two teaspoons a day is all that it takes. Two teaspoons. Now that's a lot of dry ground ginger, but if you're making, I have a recipe in the book for something we call the sunshine smoothie. If you're making a sunshine smoothie, to put a teaspoon of dry ground ginger in with a whole lemon, a whole orange, and some olive oil, that doesn't get too overpowering. You can stir it in hot water and lemon and mix that up and drink it that way. Um, just put it in the portions that you can handle, you know, maybe a quarter mm -hmm. of a teaspoon at a time throughout the day and you get your whole two teaspoons. And do you usually put bananas in your smoothies? We don't use any bananas because they're very high in sugar. Okay. When I was, when I, before I was diagnosed, I was putting bananas in my smoothies. And then when I was diagnosed with cancer, I was like, you know, really, this is too much sugar. I need to not use the banana. We want to eat fruit. So we did eat fruit after the initial cleansing phase because there are some fruits that have very strong phytochemotherapeutic benefits berries being one watermelon watermelon for men with prostate cancer is very beneficial oh, is it, it is higher in lycopene than tomatoes and the lycopene 
You look at the NIH studies and you'll find studies that have been done with lycopene inhibiting the growth of prostate cancer. Lycopene is not really bioavailable in tomatoes, although it's a high um, component of the tomatoes, until the tomatoes have been stewed and cooked for a long time, four or five hours. Think of grandma's spaghetti sauce, you know, mm. that's perfect. But tomatoes are high, in, they're higher in sugar than watermelon is. Did you know that? And yes, so I did. I did. The know red that. watermelon with that lycopene, it's more bioavailable, lower in sugar. So we did eat watermelon. We ate the berries, all of the red and black berries, blueberries, strawberries, raspberries. Um, I eat some peaches. I love the bright colored vegetables. Um, I've heard that wild blueberries are the best. Oh, awesome. I didn't know that. That's wonderful. Yeah. 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 And it's fun to go out and pick them too, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Before saving uh, while you're getting your berries. <laughs> yeah. So tell me about exercise. What did Ivan do in the in the area of exercise? Well, Ivan had some weight to lose. As I told you, he was over 200 pounds when he was diagnosed. Mm -hmm. Going into this way of eating, he started to lose weight very quickly, but he also added daily cardio. That gets the body oxygenated and really uh, helps with the immune function and he started doing resistance training he had always resisted doing resistance training <laughs> he does not like to lift weights but he started doing crunches push-ups some curls some upper body exercises because he understood that he's got to do things that get more oxygen into the muscles and the tissues in his body and he needs to be uh, moving the lymph and doing these resistance exercises is helping to contract the muscles squeezing out the lymph glands and moving the lymph along to the lymph nodes and then allowing the lymph nodes to drain into the veins. So he did, he's diligent. He will exercise. He puts me to shame in this department. I've got it with the meditation. He's got it with all this physical side. He just, he's very committed to doing that every day. So yeah. what form does his cardio exercise take? Does he walk? Does he run? Does he jog? He alternates. So I'm, I started out in my health, walk as a uh, personal trainer and sports nutrition. And so I was telling him in the very beginning, don't just get set on the same thing for cardio every day because your body will kind of get used to that and you won't have the same benefit as if oh. you mix it up a little bit. So he walks on the treadmill. It's really hot in Austin to go out. And even in the early morning, it's too hot to go out there and walk. So he walks on the treadmill. He watches the morning shows while he's walking. And then the uh, opposite day, he rebounds. He will do a, a bounce, a health bounce, we call it, on the rebounder for 20 minutes, stimulating the lymphatic system. It's a great cardio workout for the heart. Um, and so he alternates between those two. Excellent. Excellent. Well, so the book is called Healing Begins in the Kitchen. Yeah. And I know that you've got it not only packed with the information you've been talking about, but there's so much more in there as well. So, you know, get your hands on Healing Begins in the Kitchen. But then you've got a new book coming out because of your challenge. Right. So and you even did more things. What are some of those other things over and above Healing Begins in the Kitchen that you did? So my diagnosis was a little more dire than Ivan's. I was diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer. I had five centimeters of cancer. It was intralobular cancer in the breast, with a, including a three centimeter tumor. And then I had a lymph node that was um, cancerous, malignant. And what I didn't know at that point was I also had three 
lesions on my lung lining, the outer lung lining just underneath the breast. I didn't know that until July. I was diagnosed in March. Um, and by, by then in July, it was fading and, and virtually, you know, gone. And so we didn't even, the doctor said, let's just keep an eye on your numbers and your immune system. And we're not even going to worry about the lung lesions. However, he did prescribe some chemotherapy for me at that point. That's why in your opening, I don't say I did not do chemo surgery and radiation like Ivan does. I did have a tiny bit of chemo used very strategically, and, and we can talk about that if you'd like to. But I went directly to Mexico. I went to a clinic in Mexico to do natural immunotherapy. It's not like the immunotherapy that's being tested by the FDA in the United States, because that version of immunotherapy that's being tested is including drug therapy. Oh. And the drugs are so extreme that what happens with the body could actually kill you. And so you need a drug to offset the impact of the drug that they're using. And I, I didn't want to go the route of using any drugs. So they just worked with my own cells, cultivated them in the lab, multiplied them, isolated them with my cancer cells. So kind of train them to get them used to what they're looking for in the body and then put them back in my system. And within 24 hours, the doctor could feel that the tumor was shrinking already. That fast. Now, yes. what year was this when all this and happened? Last year. Oh, it was 2017? Yep. By the end of the first month, when I went back for the, radio, uh, the, the uh, ultrasound scan with the radiologist, the lymph node was normal oh, within that's... four weeks. And the tumor was was shrinking. It was down from three centimeters to two point four centimeters, and it just kept shrinking until now. There's 0.7 millimeters of scar tissue that my body's still breaking up and dissolving. And and I suppose when I have the PET scan, the lung lesions are going to be completely gone. I'm not worrying about them. But I did, I did the whole body mind thing. I'm a Qigong practitioner, so from day one, I started visualizing white light going to the affected area and then smoke shooting out of my body, releasing energy that I didn't need because I really take the viewpoint of the traditional Chinese medicine in that everything in the entire universe, including those cells in my body that need help transitioning, is energy. And we have the ability to work with energy, to manipulate. My body created the cells. My body can fix them or dissolve them. And that was the approach I took. I did a lot, a lot of meditation, a lot of visualizations. Um, I took a note from Ivan when looking at the dendritic cells and I watched videos of how the dendritic cells find the cancer cells. I learned what the interleukin proteins were that summon the right cells for the damaged cells that they find, whether it's a virus, a bacteria, or a cancer cell. And then what do those immune cells do when they actually come up on the cancer cell? Do you know there's this little spark of light? They actually inject the cancer cells in a way that causes the cancer cell to just virtually explode. And there's this little flash of light when that injection happens by the immune cell. It's, it's amazing. Absolutely. I felt... I felt blessed to have the experience because it took me so deep into the processes of the body and how the body and the mind work in tandem that I'm just in awe, absolutely in awe of what our bodies do and how 
closely, the body listens to the mind. Tell us again what your new book is going to be called and when it's going to be released. So the new book is entitled Healing is Easy, How I Healed Metastatic Breast Cancer Using the Body-Mind. And it's it's with the editor now. So as soon as the last round of editing is done, we've got the rest of the layout and all of that to do. I think it's going to be out in about three more months. We've got okay. three authors. And so once the editing is done, we've all three of us got to review it and make our accept, you know, accept the edits and what have you. And then we've got to get the cover art, you know, all of that stuff with writing books. So it's probably going to be about three months, which is frustrating for me because I was writing the book the whole time the experience was happening. So when I was told in November, congratulations, you're done. The book was done. But now, you know, we have to finish everything. I actually mm -hmm. wrote one chapter before it happened. Oh, did you? I did. <laughs> I wrote the chapter about going to Dr. Kelly, who was my radiologist, in November and having that last scan and what he found and what he said and what I said. And I only had to change a few little things. It happened exactly like I wrote it. Oh, that's incredible. That's incredible. Well, Elizabeth, I always ask a question about bullying. And I'm curious if you have a story about bullying where oh, mindfulness yes. would have made a difference. I do have a couple of stories about bullying as it relates to this experience and where the my, my the first example, I wasn't quite as um, competent yet with my mindfulness it was a very stressful experience i actually had a very strong reaction was with the oncologist that i went to in the very beginning she really bullied me and even ivan was like he couldn't believe how she bullied me and was telling me you know what are all these vitamins you're taking you might be hurting yourself and you know we're going to do it this way and i'm going to have you do that so i know what kind of chemotherapy to give you and there was just she was being a bully to me. And I was, I was asking questions and wanting to get more information and wanting to slow down. And she, you know, push, push, push and bullying me. And I literally left her office and, and went into shock. I felt, well, I, I going, literally going into shock is a little bit different than having a, a, a reaction where your immune, you know, your adrenaline is flowing right. and you're shaking. And it was that kind of a thing. Like I was in, in a state of shock. Um, the next time that happened to me, I had a completely different experience and this happened online. I was working in, uh, one of the, uh, healing cancer naturally, uh, Facebook groups that I'm in. And there was a doctor in that group who really flamed me. Um, I was sharing my experience. I wasn't telling anybody else, this is what you have to do. And he really flamed me and I gently with love and tenderness i stood up for myself and i said you know with all due respect um this is not appropriate for you to be speaking to me this way you know and and uh ultimately what happened was the lady who started the group uh, banned him from the group because he had been flaming other people as well oh, okay. she stepped in to kind of protect us from his vitriol which was very very nice but i can see the reaction with me was very different and maybe it was because it wasn't face to face and I was already well on the way to recovery. Um, you know, all of those dynamics were different, but I can pinpoint that um, being mindful really had me in my experience and his perspective and opinion did not uh, rattle me at all.
So. Mm. Well, that's good to hear. I have three, well, actually five quick answer questions I want to ask you, okay. Elizabeth. The first one is this. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness? One person, probably Adya Shanti. Okay. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? Oh, it's really given me a perspective that an emotion is just an emotion. It doesn't control me and I don't have to act on it. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness. Ah, breathing. I love, first of all, I love breathing. I'm a big fan of breathing. Um, how has it affected my mind? It slows me down. I think it slows my thoughts down. And when I have the breath to focus on, it really helps me stay in the present. It's a big cue for me for, for mindfulness. I'm going to put, of course, both of your books into our show notes, but are there any other books that you could recommend that are related to mindfulness? Oh, I love the books Richard Rohr has written about mindfulness. Uh, I love, uh, my faith tradition is Christian, so I love Teresa of Avila, The Interior Castle. Really love her. It's really deep, all those different layers you get to. And then Adya Shanti's books are beautiful. I think, um, Trying to think of the titles of any of them specifically, but I don't think it really matters. All of his books right. are, are really beautiful to read. And anything by Joseph Campbell. Oh, I think yes. reading Joseph Campbell helped me transition from, you know, having a religion and being spiritual, you know, and mindfulness was present in both places, but it took a whole different flavor once I read Joseph Campbell. Yeah, Joseph Campbell, amazing. Can you share an app of any kind that has helped you through this? Yes, absolutely. I love the Insight Timer app. And you probably hear that from your guests <laughs> quite a bit. Yeah. But I really value that app. I like the versatility. I like that it has simple music that I can listen to. I like the guided meditations. I like the sleep meditations. And I love the talks. I really, really appreciate that app very much. How about yeah, you? Do you oh, have it's oh yeah, it's a terrific <laughs> app. I have uh, guided meditations on there myself. Myself, and oh, uh, I'm testing the beta version of the new the new version of Insight Timer right now. And yeah, oh. it's it's a it's a wonderful app. And I'm going to be actually uh, interviewing the the gentleman who is responsible for that app. Very so, good. Well, you yeah. can tell him Elizabeth loves it. I like using the timer for my Qigong practice because when I do five elements, I need to spend five minutes on this element and five minutes so. I can set it so that every five minutes the chime goes or the yeah. the ohm starts or whatever, and then I yes. go to the next element. It's a brilliant app. It really is. It really is. Well, Elizabeth, it's been brilliant speaking with you. I've really enjoyed it. You've shared so much with us. How can we learn more about you and what you do? So I have a website. It's just my name, BethMeisner.com. I also am pretty active on Facebook and I have a, I have a private page that has room for people to still like me. Um, I'm getting close to 5,000, but I'm not over the top yet. And I have a public page. So I also have a private group. It's a closed group. So you have to ask to be added to it, but I'd love for anybody to um, that's heard the podcast to ask. It's called Abundant Health Qigong, Q-I-G-O-N-G. And on there, in that group, I share Qigong exercises 
for health and healing and some specific breast cancer fighting qigong. Um, Wo Lin Qigong is called the Cancer Walk, and I teach the Cancer Walk in that group. And it's just a great place to connect with me and all things Qigong and health related. Fantastic. Fantastic. So check out all of that. And on social media, you are Beth. Is that correct? You're, right. you're always Beth, not Elizabeth. Not Elizabeth. I, I realized during this past year that Beth means house and okay. Elizabeth means house of God. And this experience was so transformational for me that I am now using my full name because I don't want to just be any old house. I'm the house of God. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, I have truly enjoyed this today, and I know our listeners have as well. So thank you so much for being on the show, Elizabeth. Thank you for having me, Bruce. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye now. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest name or episode number into the search bar. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen. Maybe it's iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever. Hit subscribe and share. Subscribing and sharing helps keep Mindfulness Mode on the air. Subscribe and share, share, share. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.